It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for joining me this morning. And not every year, but sometimes we talk about late winter weather and how it affects wildlife and particularly birds and and game that can't dig through the snow. Uh, So for just a moment this morning, I'm going to say if you have a bird feeder, Even though it's warming up, fill up that bird feeder. The hardest thing on wildlife is not cold. They can take the winter's cold. But what they can't take is having their food source eliminated. Heavy December snowstorms, not such a big deal. Lots of food around. Late winter snowstorms, like the one we had here in February, a much bigger deal. Birds have seen much of their food supply and berries that were easy to get exhausted, and lots has fallen to the ground. From them going from branch to branch or from deer knocking on the branches or owls or hawks sitting in the trees, seeds can come loose and they fall to the ground. They're buried under snow, and the birds can't get to them. Same is true for deer in particular. When you get a lot of snow, they they tend to yard up, which means they gather together and they paw at the ground and they're able to get something to eat from the ground or they work the browse lines from the trees. And if if you're driving along a lot of roads in the Midwest, you clearly see this browse line. There's nothing until about four and a half feet up in the air, sometimes five feet. That's because the deer have eaten absolutely everything that there is. That's a sign of, of too many deer. So we we right now are in the late stages of winter, about to enter March, and uh, in fact we're gonna we're gonna enter March tomorrow. So um, it's a uh, it's a time when we really have to look out for wildlife. So if you, as I said a moment ago, if you have a bird feeder, go fill that bird feeder up. It will be uh, it will help birds get through the winter. And if you have some hay bales on a farm or something, scatter some hay around for the deer. It'll help them as well. An amazing thing happened this week in Chicago. I say that facetiously. The lakefront was opened to the people of Illinois, Chicago, and I guess anywhere. You have to think long and hard to understand what it means to read the lakefront was opened up to the people. As we all know, the Chicago lakefront is legendary. It's a reason so many people live in Chicago or or can live in Chicago because it provides them with outdoor space to recreate, to walk, to run, to bike. Just go look at the lake. And for so much of the past year, virtually a year, The lakefront has been closed. The parking lots were closed. You couldn't access it. There was no snow plowed. So for 
all the individuals that utilize the lake in Chicago, they by and large have been out of business. Certainly, there wasn't a lot of enforcement at times. Individuals used the lakefront, but if you wanted to drive and park and go to the lake, you couldn't do it. Now, this week, the lake opened up. It's a wonderful thing, and I really mean it's a wonderful thing. But it has to make you wonder, what on earth kept the lakefront closed the way it was? Study after study has shown that getting outdoors is critical to mental health during this pandemic. And I've had the fortune to move around a little bit during the pandemic, nothing like I ordinarily would. And I've been on mountain trails in the West. I've been in places where lots of people are hiking. And they're a lot closer to each other than you are on the lakefront. The Chicago lakefront is a state of mind for so many of us. I had the good fortune to go to Northwestern University. Unfortunately, it was a long time ago now. But I went to the lake frequently. The lake was my salvation to go out and walk along and watch the waves crash in the winter. It cleared my mind. In this case, it was clearing my mind from too much studying or, uh, or maybe a Saturday night. But the lakefront was so important to me and my mental health and, frankly, my physical well-being at Northwestern to get out and to feel the winter wind and to see the waves crashing. That was just vital and vital to tens of thousands of people. And, and we've been denied that. Thankfully, it's over. But let's hope it never happens again. Of course, we hope we never deal with this again. But maybe a lesson that we learned is that, first of all, we are capable of taking care of ourselves. We're, we're not a nanny state. We don't, we don't have to be told how to take care of ourselves. And secondly, getting outside the great outdoors. This is called the Great Outdoors Show. Getting outside and being a part of nature is part of mental and physical health. And I hope that no government employee, bureaucrat, and I don't say that in a negative way, but someone who works for the government, ever thinks it's a good idea again to lock us out of the great outdoors and lock us up in our apartment and homes. That was a truly foolish thing to have done. We have to have faith in each other. And sure, there are going to be people who are too close to each other. There are going to be people who are too, too close to each other now. But I heard the mayor of Chicago say the other day, well, if, if we have violations of these things, we, we might just have to take action again. No. Trust the people. It's our lakefront. And most of all, it's our health. We need to be able to enjoy the great outdoors. Open up our state parks. Open up the lakefront. Open up the national parks. Get Americans outside. We, we all want to get outside. We need to do that. Switching from outside to something that I saw this Thursday night, and I, some of you may have seen it. I will be very surprised if, if, if many of you have seen it. And it was Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever's great launch. Howard Vincent, a longtime friend of mine, 
runs pheasants forever, quail forever, had a online launch of the largest campaign in the history of pheasants forever. It's titled Call of the Uplands. And it's a campaign to raise $500 million to try to save four, excuse me, to try to save nine million acres of uplands, grasslands where quail and pheasant live in the southeast, in the south, and of course, on the prairies. It's a huge undertaking. Pheasants Forever has never attempted anything close to this size. It's a big lift. And they launched it online, and it was very well done. And I thought the whole time watching it, who's going to see this? They're preaching to the choir. The only people watching this are going to be dedicated Pheasants Forever members who took the time to watch this launch. And now, of course, it'll live online. But the whole problem with the conservation movement in America, North America, is we talk to ourselves. We're not going to change the mind of anyone by talking to ourselves. We, we are already the converted. We are the conservationists. We are the members of every unlimited there is. Nature Conservancy, all these groups, we're their supporters. We need to talk to the individuals who don't know anything about the importance of grasslands and uplands and the prairies. So Pheasants Forever has a fabulous idea, and I hope they succeed. If we could save 9 million acres of grasslands, that would be a wonderful start. But we're not going to succeed just by having infomercials for ourselves that no one has an interest in, in seeing or knows about. And that's why I think one of the things that's really exciting, which we'll talk a lot more about in the coming, coming months, is IMAX and how IMAX can change the world and how there's a movie out there, Wings Over Water, which is going to talk about saving the prairies in a forum that doesn't just talk to ourselves, that it talks to the world. And in all full disclosure, I, I am involved in trying to have this film be a success. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring it up without saying I'm involved in hoping to change the way we look at the prairies and the world. But the key to all of us is we need to speak to audiences that are not already listening and not already informed. And I think that's something that everyone in conservation needs to take to heart. We do a great job of talking to ourselves. Don't do a great job. In fact, we do a very poor job of talking to others and getting them emotionally engaged in why, as all of you listening, why we love the great outdoors so much. I'll be back in just a moment. And when I am, I'm going to talk about a few current events taking place. Hope you're enjoying the show. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert. Sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are. Communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. 
The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thanks for being with me. About a year ago, in April and May of 2020, in the midst of the shutdown, the worldwide shutdown, when we all basically stayed confined or wherever we were, we didn't move around, I commented on the air a couple times about how clear the air was. And I happened to have at the time been sequestered uh, in a place where I had views to the horizon. I was not in the city of Chicago. And I had some space. I was really, really fortunate. And I mean that sincerely. For those of you who couldn't get out of your apartment because of the lockdowns, um, I just feel terribly for you. For those of us who were able to have a little bit of space, we saw something that we've never seen in our, in, in, really in our lives. And that was clear skies. You could see to the horizon, if you're out in the west, Californians commented how clearly they could see the mountains. People living in the mountains could see mountains they usually couldn't see. People living in the flatland or the heartland had views un, really uninterrupted by smog and pollution. So now we know kind of what that meant. Skies in the United States, carbon dioxide emissions in the United States for the year as reported, and I don't know really how they gather all this information. We often don't, but they were 12% cleaner. We had 12% less carbon dioxide emissions last year in 2020 than we have had in recent years. Europe was down 11% in carbon dioxide emissions. China, China was only down 1.7% in carbon dioxide emissions. So I wasn't in China. I don't know what it looked like. Their air is reportedly to be terrible quality. It didn't clean up. But in America, we saw the cleanest skies that we have maybe in our lifetime. And we had far less carbon dioxide emissions. And there is a, uh, there's a theory, at least, that says maybe we have peaked in carbon dioxide emissions in the United States and in Europe and Canada. That's quite possible. And loving the great outdoors, loving the outdoors, that would be a great thing. But if a pa- in a pandemic, China only went down by 1.7% in their carbon dioxide emissions, it would kind of indicate that they got a long way to go. And as we all know, China is west of the United States on the air flows, the upper air currents. And the pollution from China makes its ways to the shores 
of the West Coast of the United States and the West Coast of Canada. So for this one time, we, we got a chance to see what, what clear skies really looked like, and it took a pandemic to do it. Let's hope we can continue on this track. Uh, certainly, with a lot more driving around, we're all trying to get back to normal, uh, whatever the new normal is going to be. But it would be neat if we could, if we could keep our clean skies, because we had them. Uh, something that wasn't so clean, and this is, this is a stunning statistic. There were reported to be 4,000 metric tons of plastic in the oceans off of California last year, dumped into the oceans. To put that in perspective, I mean, I can't imagine kind of what 4,000 metric tons looks like, but I can imagine this. It's the equivalent of putting 80 million rubber duckies in the water. So think about Chicago River for a second. What would happen if we put 80 million rubber duckies in the Chicago River and left them there and they all eventually popped and sank and decayed? You, the Chicago River would be just nothing but trash, plastic trash from one end to the other. I mean, you wouldn't see any water if you had 80 million rubber duckies. That's how much plastic junk was dumped into the ocean off California last year. Pretty shocking. And uh, there really is no end in sight. I can tell you from my trips to Central America and Mexico, what gets dumped in California's, uh, in the ocean off of California is nothing compared to what gets dumped into the ocean in some of the populated areas of Mexico and, and Central America. It's, it's horrifying. So on one hand, we had a lot cleaner air. And on the other, well, we really, really are following our oceans. And that's before we even get into the hypoxic zone in the Gulf of Mexico, which of course is caused by the nitrogen loads coming down the Mississippi River. But the one thing as we close out the show today, I'm optimistic about, and for those of you who've listened to me, whether for a couple of years or for the past 20 years, 21 years I'm going on, I, I am a person who's always optimistic. I'm a conservationist, which means the wise use of our natural resources. I'm not a lock it up and throw away the key. I'm not some radical environmentalist. I think I'm a pretty mainstream conservationist looking for solutions that are good for society and good for our economy. Can't be good for society if we got the equivalent of 80 million rubber duckies in California being dumped into the ocean every year. And that's just California in plastic. So when I'm back next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about something that's pretty interesting that's going on, of course, with the new administration and oil and gas drilling, what that mean, might mean for conservation and what it might mean for revenues. Most importantly, that, that, that R word in Washington, revenues. Also, I'm going to talk about modernizing access to public lands and using technology to, to enable people to access areas that they've never been able to access before. It's really, it, it could open up an awful lot of land and solve some of the access issues that we're seeing. There's some, some landowners who think this is a really terrible idea. There are an awful lot of people who think it's a good idea. I'm not going to take sides. I'm just simply going to talk about what's coming. Whether it's good or bad, it's, it's coming. So thanks so much for being with me. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll be back next Sunday morning as we jump into March. 
This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.